Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Hi, friends. It is great to be here at the church formerly known as Beverly. Some of you might know, I grew up in this church. I came here as a preteen and did some bad things here, but was invested into so much. And I know that some of you uh, from those days still pray for me. And I just want to say thank you for the formation that you had in my life and many of my peers at the time. So it's great to be here. But I know that this is Crosspoint Church, and I'm equal, equally thankful to be here at Crosspoint and celebrate all of the good things that you are doing. And I'll talk about them a tiny bit in my sermon. And I also love being here because it gives me the chance to talk with your pastor, Rob, always helpful. He's giving great leadership here, and the reality is you need great leadership during these strange times that we find ourselves And as good as he is, you are all living in something that anthropologists have called liminality. What in the world is liminality? Well, it's actually defined as this. It it really means like a threshold. So if I were like on the stairs just beneath me, I'm not on the floor, I'm not on the platform, I'm, I'm just somewhere in between. And what happens to us in liminal times is we're confused. What used to work in the past doesn't now work in the future, and, and things are ambiguous, and the rules that used to be there simply don't apply anymore. Well, you don't need to be a sociologist to know that as a global community, we are living in liminal times. We even use language like old normal and new normal, and we don't know what the new normal is even going to look like. Uh, Like many of you, I try to track some of the regulations that are going on. Uh, When can I go to the gym? When can I go to a restaurant? When can we gather and worship? And believe me, I have great appreciation for our government that has to navigate these ever-changing rules and mutant strains and everything else that happens. So No criticism to our government on some of these things, but we all are trying to figure out how to live and move and survive in these strange liminal times where the old rules, the old terms of reference simply don't make sense anymore. So how do we actually do that? How do we live or lead during liminality? Well, I wonder if that's what some of the earliest followers of Jesus felt when they set out to lead and establish the church that Jesus told them to. They came from a Jewish background and there was 10 commandments and then lots of extra rules on top of that. It was a little dry, a little rigid, but it was very certain. There was no liminality at all. Follow the rules and everything works out great. And then, and then Jesus came and he made this most bizarre statement. He said, there's, there's actually really only one rule. You know, maybe two, but love God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind, and and then love your neighbor as yourself. All of these laws, all of these prophets, they hang on these two rules. And he promised that the Holy Spirit would come and and guide us into truth and empower us to live that way. Well, that's weird. How do we actually move forward in that? 
we're not sure what the right thing is to do. Sometimes it's easier just to have rules. So here's these first followers of Jesus called disciples, and they're sent out to tell other people about Jesus and help them to emulate the life of Jesus and to establish churches with no real rules. How did they do that? Well, let's take a look at them, and we're going to move around in the biblical book of Acts. I know you as a church are looking at the book of Romans, and so it's Acts just before Romans. And there's this great verse in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And to, to set the stage, these first followers that were leading in liminal times, uh, Peter and John, they were standing before, it's called a Sanhedrin. It's these old, crusty, religious people that work at the district office. Oh, hold it. That's what I do. But here's all these people, and they're on some kind of like a discipline or a, a, a council. And Peter and John uh, saw somebody healed. They didn't do the healing. They even said that the healing came through Jesus, and they healed in Jesus' name. But they got in trouble for it. And they're standing there. And, and here's what the, the old religious council people said. They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they could see they were just ordinary men. They had no special training in scriptures. Listen to this part, though. But they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. What a cool statement. Their lives were irrevocably changed. Why? Because they had been with Jesus. In these uncertain times, how do we lead? How do we live? We stay Christ-centered in who we are and what we do. A, a part of their defense back to this council of people, this Sanhedrin, was seen in the previous verse. So I already gave you verse 13. If you back up one in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, they said this, Salvation is in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Uh, that truth rings true. Uh, through these uh, millennia that says we can look to Jesus and him alone for our salvation. Now, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, that makes great sense. If you haven't to chose, chosen to follow Jesus, you might say, yeah, but I think all roads lead to God and on and on. Uh, these are great questions and great conversations. Uh, if you're struggling around that, I'd encourage you to do some looking at the works of C.S. Lewis, who would say, you can't have it all of these ways, and he gives great arguments around how it is that Jesus is actually telling us the truth about he is the way. But that's a topic for another time, and your pastor could do that great sermon for you, if you like. But if you haven't chosen to follow Jesus, <laughs> now's as good a time as any. Uh, the biblical book that you're in, Romans, in chapter 10, it has this this great saying, it says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. You can do that now and then uh, wait till it warms up and get baptized. So we're Christ-centered. But when we are Christ-centered, something great happens. It changes who we are. And for those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus with our lives, it, it changes our identity. Uh, no longer do we need to strive or, or pump up our egos or uh, talk about our work positions or educational degrees or our income or our material possessions, any of those things. No, who we are in these uncertain times is our identity in Christ. Uh, that's why we're reminded in Galatians 2 verse 20 
that our old self has been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. In our liminal times, we lean into our identity in Christ. Here's another window into this identity, who we are in Christ, that I, I just love. Uh, Romans 8 reminds us that God's spirit resonates with our spirit, that we are God's children. So keep that thought. We are God's daughters and sons. And then if we look at this really amazing event in the story of Jesus, called his baptism, when Father speaks, the spirit shows up in the form of a dove, in the form of a dove. Listen to what the Father says. A voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and in our case, daughters as well, my dearly loved child, and you bring me great joy. I'm thankful for my earthly father. Uh, some of you who were here when this was a part of Beverly knew him. I was grateful to grow up with a father that told me he loved me and he was proud of me. And, and in my own uncertain times throughout the course of life, I knew I could always go to my father for guidance and assurance and confidence. Not everybody had that, but here's what we all have. Even better than my dad is a heavenly father that speaks those same words of identity into our lives. You're my child. You're my daughter. You're my son. You bring me great joy. And so when we don't know what to do, when times are strange and uncertain, we lean into our identity and who we are in Christ. Well, it's easy to lose sight of that. So let me share a practice that has been incredibly helpful for me in my own life to say, how do I stay Christ-centered? How do I keep my identity and who I am in Christ? Matthew, Mark, those are the first two gospels. There's verses in there that sound very similar. They, they both say this, Jesus speaking, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Luke says something, but Luke adds another word, and it's in Luke 9.23, where Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. And so here's what I know about me. My ego, myself, my sin crashes in on me on a regular basis, on a daily basis. And so a part of my own uh, spiritual discipline and prayer routine is I say, Jesus, today I die to self and sin. I take up my cross and I choose to follow you. A simple practice that can help us move forward. So first window from the story of Acts, how do we live in liminal times? We are Christ-centered. But friends, the good news is it gets even better. We're also called to be spirit-empowered. Uh, the book of Acts actually begins with something called the ascension of Jesus when, when he left the earth, but he left with this promise. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And it happened shortly after. The book of Acts, chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like tongues or flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. When we lead a Spirit-empowered life, it changes who we are. As you read through the book of Acts, here are these 
ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Why? Because they were not only Christ-centered, they were spirit-empowered. So this, too, is a part of our own identity, that we can be spirit-empowered people. And one of the ways that we're empowered, Scripture tells us in a number of places, is through our spiritual gifts. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 says there's lots of different spiritual gifts, and if you look at that chapter, it lists them for you. But the same Spirit is a source of them all. And so if you've chosen to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit gives you spiritual gifts to serve. But there's another aspect to this as well. It's not just what we do. It, it changes who we are. In Galatians 5, it gives something that is called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. This is who we become. And if you don't know what to do, in the midst of liminal times, be filled with the Spirit and take on the characteristics of this Spirit. So I shared with you a, a daily prayer that I have. You know, today I take up my cross and follow you. But, but I have a second part to that prayer that is so helpful in my own walk with Jesus in my own life. And it comes from Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. And it says this. If we, even though we're sinful, give good gifts to our children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And it's interesting because you can see in Acts chapter 19, sometimes when we follow Jesus, we don't always know that there is the Holy Spirit. And that was what happened when the Apostle Paul was in the city of Corinth. And he, he ran into some people and they said, yeah, we're followers of Jesus. And Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we didn't even know about that. And sometimes as Christians today, we live our lives almost independent of God, the Holy Spirit. So I would encourage you, if you don't already, pray that simple prayer from Luke chapter 11. Ask the Father, and the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. So we can live Christ-centered and Spirit-empowered lives. We can thrive in liminality that we find ourselves in. Yet there's a danger. A subtle cultural value of consumerism or narcissism that, that can creep into our lives. And sometimes we think it's actually all about us. And that we get our identity in Christ and our identity in the Holy Spirit. And, and we live like Christ and we're empowered by the Spirit just so it can be all about me. Sometimes church can end up like this. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys, right? Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church. 
where it's all about you. Super Bowl today. Uh, Pastor Rob, I hope you didn't give anyone tickets to make them come to your church. Uh, we read earlier from Luke chapter 9, and Jesus warns that if our spirituality is self-serving, that we've totally missed the mark. We can actually lose it all. So this is part of this prayer that I like to pray on a daily basis, that today, Jesus, daily, I want to take up my cross and die to self and sin and follow you. Read on in the prayer. Here's what Jesus says. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll actually lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. Jesus, upside down, mixed up economy, we give ourselves away to find our true life. Uh, friends, this is a, a real thing. As a denomination, we have are trying to seek spiritual renewal. And this is not just in our district here in Alberta, but across our country, we are pushing people toward a deeper experience with the Holy Spirit. And, and we are rejoicing that several thousand people have gone through all kinds of different events to, to seek this filling of the Spirit that I'm talking about here even this morning. Yet when we're honest, we have to acknowledge that it's not yet translated into mission. And thus this danger of consumerism or narcissism. I grew up in this church. And uh, that was a part of what we uh, did. So I think I'm on a wrong slide here, guys. Sorry. Uh, I'll come back. Um, I grew up learning about the whole idea of salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And so I memorized Ephesians 2, 8, 9. That, that God saved us by grace, through faith, not by works. And that's great. But how come I never grew up memorizing verse 10? It goes on to say this. We are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned, us, planned for us long ago. We're not just saved from something, from our sins. We're actually saved to something, to join God in mission. Yes, we're Christ-centered. Yes, that's our identity. But, but that's our identity for a purpose. So should we know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? Absolutely yes. Are we saved by grace through faith? For sure we are. There's nothing we can do. But it's not just for our consumptive purposes. It's for our participation purpose. And the same reality exists with our spirit empowerment. I read earlier in Acts chapter 8, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that the Holy Spirit will come upon us, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of others. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. Or you'll be my witnesses in Edmonton and Alberta and Canada and the entire globe. We are not spirit-empowered for our own feel-good sake. We are spirit-empowered for mission. So how do we thrive in liminal times? By leading Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and mission-focused lives. Well, it's easy to miss in the euphoria of the early chapters of Acts that there was a clear commission. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But if you read through the book of Acts, you realize that the great commission was Jerusalem, not Judea not Samaria, 
and not to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit empowered them. And you know, Acts 2, 42 to 47, this first church did amazing things. And they certainly had a local impact. But I don't know if it was just so good that they forgot or what happened. But we don't see any record of the church actually going out. And what happened was it actually took a pandemic before the church decided to become obedient. Now, it wasn't a pandemic of COVID. It was a pandemic of persecution where one of the early church leaders named Stephen lost his life to Saul, who became Paul. And then the text tells us that a great wave of persecution began that day and it swept across the church in Jerusalem and all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Well, thank God that a pandemic got us back on mission. Or did it? Acts 11, verse 19, Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to the Jews. What did they do? Like today, we have a propensity to avoid the other. We talk a great game. Risk, sacrifice, coming out of uh, how we like to do things. But the early church, like we do so often today, we actually like our comfort zones. We like people who are like us. We like people who eat the right kind of food and listen to the right kind of music and follow the right kind of Robert's rules of order because that was what Jesus actually did. We like people who vote for the correct, I can't say right, political parties. Might be left, we don't know. But we want people who are just like us. We are Christ-centered and spirit-empowered, not for ourselves, but for the other. So thankfully, as we read on in this story, this unnamed, normal, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered follower of the way decided to be mission-focused. Acts 11, verse 20. Some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. One of the biggest challenges facing the early church was, were they going to be this kind of subset of Judaism, or were they going to be all-inclusive? And up until this point in Acts 11, verse 20, it was almost entirely Jewish in its nature because they wouldn't cross cultural barriers because they didn't want to be mission focused well you figured out why if you keep reading in the book of acts because those people who were not like them those who were not jewish and became a part of the church they didn't eat the right way they didn't worship on the right days all kinds of problems that became we don't have time for that but the church moved on into a place called Antioch, and it was there that the church began to become truly mission-focused. Friends, it's so easy to be drawn into comfort, into consumerism, into understanding and thinking that it's all about us. But we are called to be a mission-focused people. My mom, who's watching today, and I haven't said anything bad about her yet, have some time. Uh, she's a part of this church, and she loves this church and love what she's uh, love what uh, you as a church do. 
And as I was talking to her yesterday about what I'm saying, I started to say so many churches struggle to be mission-focused. And then I got an earful from her because she told me all of the great things that you do as a church to be and stay mission-focused. I love what you do as a church. So here's a couple of things that I see that you do that help be shaped through the uh, book of Acts. And one is I'm going to urge you keep crossing cultural barriers. Scripture reminds us that in Christ, our ethnicity, our gender, our socioeconomic position, none of it matters. And so cross those barriers to go to people who are not like you. I know that you as a church help other churches and are helping to plant other churches. Keep doing that. Keep expanding the kingdom of God through mission. Keep living lives that are not consumer-driven or self-driven, but be spirit-empowered and Christ-centered for the other. Keep serving the least. This is what Jesus did. When you read Matthew 25, he went to those that so many other people would just reject within our society, and he served indeed. And when I say use your words, it's not about not fighting. It is about we serve by what we do. We also serve by what we say. And sometimes in our Canadian culture, we're pretty okay with saying we might do something, but we also want to proclaim Jesus as well. I love that I have an affiliation to this church that is bent on mission, and I urge you, keep leaning into mission. Keep experiencing God, not just for your sake, but for the sake of the other. Friends, all that we've talked about today comes from a national vision prayer of our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance in Canada. And so what I'd like to do as I close is I would like us to pray this together. At home, wherever you are, uh, listen, join me if you will, but let's pray together. Oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Come transform us to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.